0: Okay, morning, everybody. Podiums make me feel funny, I don't know. Um, okay, so we are, of course, continuing in our First John study about God's love and loving one another, and I really appreciate it. You know, if you can all show me your precious, your precious, where's your precious? And can you put it away and turn it off? You know what I'm talking about, right? My precious precious. I didn't get Dr. Enns to do that for us this morning. Um, but of course, uh, these things, these, these precious devices that become extensions of our very bodies and with whom we abide and lovingly glance um, are distractions from, from other relationships that are also more important. God. <clears throat> I mean you know. (laughs) All right, so it's good to be here this morning, and um, let's just pray as we begin. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires are known, and from you no secrets are hidden. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we might perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge that we cannot understand this, your living word, without your enlightenment of our hearts and our minds. So we welcome you here. We ask you for your enlightening presence to guide us and to speak deeply to each of us. Amen. All right, so... We are in 1 John, and of course, it's the book that just always circles around, right? Always circles around to God's love and our need to love one another. And I I liked, as I thought about Dr. N's message last week, um, just this reality, this experiential reality, that reading the book, because it's always circling back around, and it doesn't go in this linear progression. It's always circling us around back to God's love. And I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about the fact that, you know, John, at the end of his life, has been pondering this love of God for his whole life. And he's an old man, and he's writing to his congregation, and he's always circling around. And even the way he writes his letter is always circling you back around to God's love. And, you know, of course, our ears can become totally deaf to this because we just say yada, 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 right? Talk, 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 and then we zone out. And so um, I'm not going to do a lot of sort of exegetical discussion this morning. I want to tell stories. And then um, because we can tune out To just more words. I want to leave enough time at the end of chapel today that um, we have more time for music and we have time for prayer. And for those of you faculty, staff that I sent the email out, you're on this morning. Um, And I want to leave time for prayer so that you can come up and ask for prayer for um, for something in your life or you can sit in your seats and think about the way in which your life needs more of God's love. That's really, you know, we can hear it talked about all day long. We can hear it talked about love one another, love one another, love one another. Um, And then we leave here and we don't love one another any better. And as I've been thinking about this whole series and what I would focus on today, um, I was just remembering so much of my own life where I was a Christian but I didn't really know or believe God's deep love for me. And therefore, it didn't make a difference in my life. And therefore, I really couldn't love others like I wanted to and like I knew I should. I just, I didn't have it in me. And so I can imagine that many of you are in a similar place. You are Christians. You love God. You know, God loves you, and yet there are these deep places in your life where God's love has not reached, it has not touched. And therefore, you actually have no ability to love others like He calls us to love. So, I want to tell some stories about how God has worked that in my life. And it's always miraculous. And I can't tell you if you're going to have a deeper encounter with the love of God this morning or not. But we're going to make space. I'm going to give you the invitation to let down your guard and name places in your life that have not been touched by the love of God. So, um, yeah, so we're always circling around. And, and the book of John, 1 John circles around, and and if we know God, then we have his son, and if we have his son, we have life, and we get this sense that we're just wrapped up in this harmonious community of loving one another and loving God and knowing more of the life of his son, and it just goes deeper and deeper and deeper, and it sounds lovely, right? It sounds like a life of security and stability and provision and just calmness. It, It feels like What John describes is a life of belonging and stability and calm. That's what I want. That's that's the kind of life I want. Perfect belonging, perfectly being known, perfect provision, fullness of life. Isn't this what what we all want? But it seems elusive. Yeah? Seems elusive. So maybe many of you have listened to these many weeks of talking about God's love and our need to love one another, and it just all seems very empty and far removed and not real. It's just words that don't seem to touch your deepest needs and struggles to truly know God's love so that you can love others. So I'm going to share some stories about how God has worked in me to convince me of his love, and then we'll have prayer at the end. So I'm going to read um, our passage from 1 John, um, starting a little bit back from last week's text because it pertains to my stories quite well. Um, And I'm just going to make a few comments as we go along about all kinds of, well, several several truths in this particular text that I'm going to read that throughout most of my life, up until my mid-20s, I just didn't get it. It, it didn't make sense to me. It was not my lived reality. Uh, it just seems so far removed. So starting in 1 John chapter 4, verse 16b. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. What does that mean? There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. For most of my life, was an incredibly fearful person, incredibly fearful. I did not know how that could be true. This one, we love because he first loved us. Rationally, okay. Experientially, no idea what that meant. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister." I really tried, but I just didn't have it. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. That was not my reality. Sometimes it still isn't love one another. That felt like an impossible burden for much of my life. And I was, I've been a Christian my whole life. His commands aren't burdensome? I beg to differ. And then this one, and his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Well, I believed that, but I really did not feel like my faith was overcoming the world. In fact, I really felt like the world was totally kicking my butt. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and the three are in agreement." We accept human testimony but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God which he has given us about his son. Whoever believes in the son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Again, I knew I was in relationship with God. I knew in one way that I had the Son. But I certainly didn't feel like I had life. Verse in John 10, He came that we might have life and have it abundantly. But that abundant life seemed to be remarkably elusive. To the extent that I began to wonder, is it a lie? What is this abundant life that you have promised? Because I'm not seeing it, God. So... These passages from 1 John have these key phrases like, perfect love casts out fear. We love because he first loved us. His commandments are not burdensome. Faith overcomes. Whoever has the son has life. These were truths that I heard all the time, and they did not touch the depths of my life. So, Um, Up until I was about 24, I would say that my sort of dominant internal experience of my life was characterized by scarcity and fear. Scarcity, this feeling, there's never enough, there's never enough, there's never enough. And I never wanted for physical um, needs, clothing, food, house, always had enough. But I didn't have enough relationally. So many of you know parts of my story. Um, my dad died when I was seven, and he, uh, he was a very sort of, not sort of, he was a very broken person, though he was a Christian, and he was verbally and emotionally abusive, especially to my mother and my older siblings. Um, I escaped a lot of that because I was so young, but he died when I was seven, and uh, no matter you know, what kind of father it is, that leaves you feeling me, it left me feeling quite vulnerable. And uh, because my mom had had to live through this very difficult marriage, she was very emotionally damaged herself and really had no emotional capacity for her children. So that meant that though I didn't grow up with any material wants, um, I did grow up with emotional neglect. And so, in that place of vulnerability, uh, and a mother who couldn't respond to her emo- the, the emotional needs of her children, um, that is what contributed greatly to my sense of scarcity. Not enough, not enough. And scarcity feeds fear. Fear of, and the need to control, the need to uh, take care of yourself, right? Um, and so... Interestingly, my mom had a lot of energy for others. She's very, very hospitable, but she really didn't have time or energy for me. So my needs were taken care of, my physical needs were taken care of, but my relational needs were sorely neglected. And so I watched her give and give and give to other people, but there was never apparently enough left over for me. And so it, it, this deep experience of not enough, which engenders lots of fear, right? Uh, And this really, really dominated my growing up years. And again, I was a Christian. I've been a Christian my whole life. I know God. God knew me. And so one of the reasons I had the music team sing the song this morning, He Knows My Name, because um, this is one of the key moments that I look back on in my life as God working deeply in me to convince me of his love. In the absence of an earthly father, again, that vulnerability, the scarcity, the the feeling of a lack of of protection um, and stability that a father can bring, not always, but a father can bring to a family. And uh, when I was 17 or 18, I went to a big missions conference called Urbana. Um, Happens every three years. I think it still happens, in, uh, in Illinois. And um, my sister and I, a sister and I, and, and another group of friends went to, th- to this Missions Conference. And that's where I first heard that song. And they sang that song multiple times throughout the Missions Conference. And along with the lyrics up on the big screen, they would flash names of people. And the name Megan would come up on the screen. And it was just this moment this moment of god's work to see my name on the screen and to be singing he knows my name when i didn't have a father and it was this it was this very profound moment that has stuck with me clearly for the rest of my life where i have where in that moment somehow god worked miraculously in my life and so i came to know god as my father because i didn't have one and it was a, it was And again, because we're singing that and my name flashes up on the screen. In the midst of a family relationship where I didn't feel like my mom knew me, I didn't feel like even my mom saw me, to sing that song and to have my name flash on the the screen and to have an encounter with the presence of God, where God said, I am your father and I know your name and I see you. All your tears, I see them. Very profound. It was a good step, a good step of growth. I still continued to struggle with being really fearful and not feeling like I ever had enough. Also developed these really severe health issues towards the end of high school, suffered from a lot of fatigue. And so now also my physical body was feeling like there's not enough, not enough energy, not enough capacity, not enough. And so I struggled and I kept asking God, Where's the abundant life? Perfect love casts out fear. Who has the Son has life. We love because he first loved us. And the deeply embedded fear and scarcity meant that I really felt like I couldn't be generous. I I barely, like, I, I never felt like I had enough for myself. How could I give to others? Anyone struggle with being generous? Because you don't feel like you have enough for yourself. And there's all of this self-protection going on. I wanted to be generous. I watched other people having great joy in being generous. And I just, I, I couldn't do it. And it was really confusing. So in college, I grew immensely. Encountered God in really deep and meaningful ways. And yet, and yet, there were still these deep places in my life that were gripped by fear and they were gripped by this feeling of scarcity. But in college, I learned the song, In Christ Alone. And I wanted so badly for that song to be true, right? These lines. Um, In Christ alone, my hope is found. I wanted so badly for that to be true, but I often felt hopeless. I often felt so weary and exhausted and scared that I didn't really have hope. This line, he is my light, my strength, my song, my cornerstone, a solid ground. He's firm, he's my comforter. This imagery of standing in Christ's love, I am his and he is mine. No guilt in life, no fear in death, the power of Christ in me, in the power of Christ I stand. No fear in love, faith that overcomes I did not feel like that was true. I sang those lyrics, I wanted them to be true, but they just weren't. Faith that overcomes, it just felt like life was kicking my butt. Towards the end of college, uh, four of my siblings got married when I was young, like six, and then a couple more of my siblings got married when I was high school. And so then there were, I'm the youngest of seven. Uh, so then there were three of us, me and two more, two more sisters who, um, into, into college, were, we were all still single. And this gave me, you know, though I had really no emotional connection uh, with my mom, um, these were the two sisters who I was closest to. And that relationship connection was really significant to me. And then, partway through my senior year of university, my sister Mary, who's two years older than me, she got married. And then six months later, my other sister Michelle got married. And it just exacerbated. I'm going to be alone. I don't have anyone. Fear, scarcity, there's not enough. There's not enough. College friends were getting married. And then I went to grad school, and many of you have heard how I have uh, my story of really severe depression um, to the point that I was suicidal, and this was a moment when I knew so clearly that God saved me, because I was going to kill myself, I really was, Uh, and God intervened, and I thought to myself, hmm, well... If God didn't care, if he didn't care about me, then I think he would have just let me kill myself. But because he intervened, that must mean that my life is worth something. It must mean that I'm still supposed to be here. And it was in the wake of recovering from that, that I was finally able to admit At 24 years of age, that though I had been a Christian my whole life, I didn't really believe that God loved me. Do you know how awful that is to admit that? Like it just, it felt so humiliating. Not just humbling, it felt humiliating, it felt shameful. You've been a Christian your whole life and you don't believe that God loves you. But it was true it took lots of broken circumstances for me to be able to admit that. And when I did, when I did, God was able to touch those deepest spots. In this course of my um, my coursework for my master's degree, i wrote a paper, an exegesis paper, on Isaiah chapter 61. And it's, it's the passage that Jesus then reads in the synagogue in Nazareth in Luke chapter 4. And he said, it's the passage, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And it's the year of the Lord's favor in the day of vengeance of our God. And I was doing a word study, of all things, on this word favor. And I looked up all of the occurrences of this Hebrew word in the Old Testament and sitting with this idea of favor and realized that this word is all about harmonious, restored relationship. It's all about acceptance and uh, belonging and restoration and provision and stability. And I would sort of come up for air out of my studies and I just was sitting at my desk one day Thought hit me. I'm like, Jesus has already come. He fulfilled this prophecy. I have God's favor. I have it. And again, I don't know what it was about that moment. How odd that God used a Hebrew word study to do this profound shift in my life. But in that moment, all of a sudden, there was this deep shift. And all of a sudden, God's love made it down into that deep, deep part. And by and large, the fear was gone. By and large, the sense of scarcity was still there, but I could return to, but God loves me. Therefore, there will always be enough. I still struggle with scarcity. I still struggle with fear. But God's love, when, God, when someone reminds me, God loves you, I'm like, that's right. And it, te- it, it touches. It's not just a rational assent. It touches that deep emotional part of me and brings me peace and stability. And maybe that is what you are missing. That when people say God loves you, it doesn't mean anything to you. It doesn't shift anything. It doesn't bring you any comfort to your actual deep emotional angst. And you're wondering too where is this abundant life? He who has the sun has life. Faith that overcomes. That feeling of scarcity, that not enoughness, it lost its grip on my life, and it's the reason I was able to say yes and go to Cambodia. I was scared spitless to go to Cambodia, but I kept returning to this, but God loves me, therefore it's gonna be okay. It was hard as all get out, I cried so much in Cambodia, oh my word, but God loved me and there was enough. And I could keep giving because I was connected to the source of all goodness and all life. So, musicians, would you come back up? I asked them to play the song that we that was new, Jesus keep me near to your heart. For outside of you I'm lost. You are everything that is beautiful. You are all that I long to see in me. Our deep and true knowledge of God's love comes to us as a miracle. Always. So, are you fearful and anxious and agitated? Do you feel like you have nothing to give to others? Where have you known God's love? What are areas of your life that have not yet been touched by God's love? We must love one another because God first loved us. Now I get it. We love because He first loved us. I'm like, ah. I get it now. I get it. So, faculty and staff, if you are planning on being available to pray for people, would you also come up? Like, I don't know, you know, just scatter yourselves around. Um, and I will dismiss you in 10 or so minutes. And if you would like prayer, please come and ask for prayer. If you want to just sit and meditate where you are, you are welcome to do so. But this is time when we don't just hear words about God's love. We don't just talk more about it, loving one another. But we ask God for where we need to be filled with his love so that we can love one another.